Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash in general. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Okay, hello and welcome to episode 62 of the In General Podcast. I'm joined with Chris. How you doing, man? Pretty good. It's been a while since I've been on a podcast with you, man. It's been a while since we've spoken. I know. It's like, weird. I mean, we've chatted on uh, like Facebook Messenger quite a bit, but not like talked in a while. No, we need a proper catch-up, man. Um, but I'm also joined with Ethan Patters, who is the author of Primitive War, a book I've just finished reading. How you doing, Ethan? Hey, what's good? Welcome to the show. So we met you in Philadelphia. You came to the uh, you came to the Jurassic Outpost slash Universal Pictures event. Certainly did. That's me, Jack Horner. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was a, it's a cool time all all together. There's so many people there. Um, it was just really cool meeting so many community members. It was a bit of in, like overload because I was meeting like people left and right, and it was there's just so many faces, and I'm trying to put faces and names, and I was just kind of losing track of everything yeah i mean i didn't have enough time to speak to i didn't have enough time with each person i mean there were people there ethan we've spoken online for years i didn't have enough time to catch up with you i didn't have enough time to speak with jaroslav there was just like you said chris it was so busy so packed and you and i especially were just running around (laughs) trying to get stuff done but it was a great event and ethan we really appreciate you coming down to that and you were handing out segment uh, you were handing out chapters right from the book yeah i was passing out uh prologues of the book with the front and back cover and two pieces of concept artwork by Raph Lomaton. That's right. And you gave one to Jack Horner and then later on I think Universal or, or somebody that he was with uploaded some pictures and he still had your chapter and your concept art in his hand. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, when uh, he was actually flipping through the one that I handed him, when he got to the uh, Feathered Utah Raptor, he just kind of stopped what he was doing and just zoomed in on it. <laughs> looked it up and down for solid like five ten seconds that's awesome uh, i was like yeah he's kind of like getting the seal of approval from somebody <laughs> like jack horner that's kind of you've peaked yeah, my and, friend <laughs> yeah and it was funny because during the q a he had mentioned that he didn't think feathered dinosaurs would ever be viewed as scary or interesting in hollywood but i mean i think I that might have attention yeah, I, I just, I so don't agree. I mean, I understand he's not saying he believes that. He's just saying that's sort of the viewpoint that certain Hollywood executives currently hold. In yeah, this. and that's why I try to tell a story with them because yeah, no, they have so much potential. I yes. mean, and, and that kind of, that brings us into the book a bit. So uh, I just finished reading this Primitive War, which is uh, your first novel, right, Ethan? But you've been working on this for, was it eight plus years? It's a long time. Well, it was three years for the actual novel, and that includes the different drafts and writing and rewriting. But the original story was originally written back in 2011, and I kept a lot of elements from that, but took out some of the uh, things that weren't related to dinosaurs from it. Yeah, I noticed in the back there was some good call-outs, and uh, you said you originally started putting, uh, I guess, ideas for it, chapters for it on the JP Legacy forum. Uh, and then it yeah, kind of developed and, into its own thing. And I got to say as well, like the print, it says in the back, printed uh, in Great Britain by Amazon. It, it looks great, man. I mean, I told you when you first showed me the concept art itself and the book cover, 
uh, is what sold it to me. But it printed so well. It looks great. Yeah, I spent a lot of time looking into the formatting and how I would want the story to actually appear on paper because I have the uh, collector's edition of the uh, Jurassic Park and the Lost World combined novel. Oh, yeah. And I remember how beautiful... Yeah, and how beautiful it was opening it for the first time. I wanted to have that same impact when somebody opened my novel for the first time. Well, I mean, that's the thing as well. Obviously, this is this is self-published and stuff. And oftentimes when you read a self-published or, or whatever novel or book, you get it. And you can kind of just tell the difference between that and an official, uh, say, a Stephen King book that you buy off the shelf. But uh, this, yeah, credit to Amazon or whichever company they use to print it because it's... Uh, it held its own as well. This this book survived my trip in and out of bags, on beaches, uh, being chucked around in suitcases, and it, it still looks pretty great, man. But yeah, so let's talk about this. So let's give Chris an idea on what the book's about. Yeah, give give, give me and the listeners a rundown who aren't as familiar with the novel. No, 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 not for the listeners, just for Chris. Just, just for me. Just for Chris. Okay. Screw those guys. <laughs> so... I don't want to completely quote the synopsis from the back of the book, but essentially a search and rescue team from the Vietnam War gets recruited to find a missing platoon of Green Beret from northern Vietnam. And as they go on their journeys to find these missing soldiers, they begin to uncover a conspiracy tied to uh, very powerful weapons in the rainforest. And while on their search... They encounter dinosaurs, and as they fight to survive, they also work to unravel the mysteries of the valley and the dinosaurs, and they see how far they can fall because of their experiences. That's what I found really so, interesting about it, is that they, they're obviously the top of the top when it comes to, well, the military, anybody that's trained within that kind of I guess you wouldn't call it industry. I guess industry. Anyway, they're, they're the top of their game. The field, I guess. Or... And yeah, and they're thrown into the mix. Yeah. And they're thrown into the mix with what I would describe as fucking the Jurassic Park Velociraptors, but on a serious amount of crack cocaine. It's just <laughs> insanity the way you've described them in this. But what I like as well is that I was quite surprised how it's, what, 60% dinosaur. The rest is all very deep within the character's and very focused on the war itself and, and what they're facing. Um, maybe even less than that. The, the dinosaurs aren't... They're, they're obviously a huge part of it, but they're not as prominent as I thought, and I really respect that because it's not just a, somebody who loves Jurassic Park writing a book all about dinosaurs. It's You've got a true story in here, and it's... Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, well, it means a lot to hear. Yeah, well, I think Chris would really love it as well because obviously... Oh, yeah, I'm... I mean, we—it's pretty safe to say Chris is obsessed with feathered dinosaurs. There, there's a there's a serious obsession slash fetish going on there. Oh, you, um, you know, you know, you got me. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I think, I think you'll enjoy the Utah Raptors. Yeah. What's interesting is that Jurassic Outpost. I'm probably the only person. Well, I, you know what, Ryan? Ryan is open to feathered dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, but I'm the only one that really pushes him and. uh Jack and Assis are very anti-feathered dinosaur. And I have no idea where Alex lands on the spectrum. <laughs> oh, there's a spectrum now? <laughs> yeah, there's a feathered dinosaur spectrum, you know? 
Where would you uh, fall, I Ethan? Have to, obviously, you I have wrote to be dead center. Yeah, because you wrote feathered dinosaurs in this book, but obviously, in the Jurassic Park franchise, it's a different story. Would you would you suddenly be happy if dinosaurs showed up in Jurassic World too? Feathered dinosaurs, I should add. Mm, I mean, uh, I, I think it's a little late in the game for them to be uh, trying to take that route. Personally, I, I love scaly dinosaurs. I love the original cool. Charles Knight terrifying upright walking lizards i like uh michael Crichton versions as they appear in the book uh jurassic park but i wanted to continue what michael Crichton did and try to bring the most accurate paleo fiction possible based on our modern understanding of animals but believe me i love scaly dinosaurs and i would have loved to have had scaly dinosaurs appear in my novels but i couldn't yeah no i mean i totally understand that and I mean, to add some perspective to where I am with it, like, as much as I'm pro-feathered dinosaurs, and even with Jurassic Park, don't get me wrong, it's not like I have anything against the Jurassic Park Velociraptors. They're one of my favorite creature designs of all time. So, you know, <clears throat> it's it's a bit weird. People are like, oh, you don't like it? I'm like, no, I love it. I just want to see feathered dinosaurs alongside them, you know? Say, oh, here's the new batch of engine dinosaurs, and some of them have feathers. And that's really all... <laughs> and that's really all the more they need to explain it in... You know, just don't replace the old dinosaurs with feathered ones. Well, they read this put... book then, Chris, because you will yeah. love it. So, Ethan, that what was the scene that you let us put up on Outpost uh, a good few months before your release? What was the scene? Well, the there chapter. were a few different scenes that you had shared. Uh, the first one was Over the Edge, which I think is chapter 14. So that's it's where, where... Go on. It's where two of the main characters, Leon and Ryan, they... Uh, encounter Tyrannosaurus Rex nesting site and on the way out they get chased by a male Tyrannosaurus Rex known as the father T-Rex throughout the narrative and chases him right off a cliff keeps going Dude, keeps chasing I was gonna say where did you end that uh where did you end where did you cut the chapter off on the one you put online because the scene itself Jesus Christ <laughs> Jesus Christ the chapter itself just goes insane um, I mean, there were so many points in this book where I was like, well, they're dead. The characters are dead, surely. And you just pull them back out and you describe in detail <laughs> the way their bodies are destroyed, mangled. It's it's so highly detailed in the, in the violence in this book. But I think it obviously it fits the narrative. It fits the story you've got going on. It's the Vietnam War crossed with vicious dinosaurs. You got to, you know, I wanted it to be described. It was so, it's so gruesome. Yeah, so I wanted to. I wanted as much as possible to avoid the uh, reality of war and what that kind of violence can do to the human body. Yeah, I thought it would be easier to show it through animal attacks because that's something that anybody can understand. I think mm -hmm. no matter who you are, you've looked at a large animal once and thought, "What could that thing do to me?" And exactly. this, this is treating the war that way, but through animals. You know and what? I didn't, I didn't want to shy away from the gruesome imagery. And honestly, Michael Crichton got pretty dark with that baby T Rex in the Lost World. Oh yeah, <laughs> he wasn't even, afraid uh, to show some reality. I mean, so there, you you gave some serious callbacks in this film, in this book. Sorry, to uh, obviously the franchise that we all know and love. Um, obviously, with just a few lines here and there, hold on to your butts, things like that. But there's also uh, a scene to me that was very reminiscent of Nedry's death in the Crichton book 
um, with the with the intestines being gushed out and ripped on the floor. Um, the deaths in this book, I forget who died in a similar way. I forget the name of the character, but uh, it's very similar to that, hey? Yeah. Um, that was a really powerful image uh, when I first read it. And something that I remember reading, and I read a lot of uh, war memoirs and war correspondence novels, uh, and some of the most striking moments are uh, the gut shots because that's the most sensitive part of the body to be attacked. And also it's a very intimate place to be attacked. Mm. Uh, there's something just completely, I mean, gut churning about it. It's so visceral. It's, I thought it was a good way to uh, show the impact. You definitely captured that in this way, in, in this in this novel for sure. Um, you know, so obviously you took um, you know, you paid homage to Michael Crichton's writing and you took some inspiration from it, uh, and you said that you've read different like war memoirs. Um, but like, what was how, what type of research did you do to uh, do a book not only about dinosaurs but about the Vietnam War? So you know, what type of research did you put in for the dinosaurs, and what type of research did you put in for the war to kind of bring it to life well for the uh aspect of the dinosaurs and capturing the realism for them i went through a lot of encyclopedias uh the princeton field guide for dinosaurs was a great visual reference mm. and i would constantly watch documentaries about both subjects i spent a solid three months of research before i began the first draft of the novel that's definitely the from what Jack is saying, it sounds like it definitely paid off there. Yeah, I think one of the main things that stands out or stood out to me uh, while reading it was the detailed descriptions of both the dinosaurs and the characters themselves. So you not only descri uh, describe their characters' physical attributes, but you describe kind of what's going on in each of their minds. Like you said, you, you kind of wanted to to not shy away from the realities of war. And I think especially with... Jesus Christ, I'm terrible with names, but the guy who <laughs> has, I won't ruin it, but the guy who has, I mean, uh, schizophrenia. Um, what's his character name? Logan. Logan, exactly, yeah. I mean, that was emotional, reading his, reading his sections of the book. That was pretty emotional, and I think, yeah, like I said, I think you captured that really well. Because um, it was kind of so, an emotional ride, this book. Yeah, so... It's technically a sci-fi novel, but I only sought to use science fiction as a way to create a grounded reality for this kind of story to take place. But at its core, the uh, primary themes and motifs don't really draw from the science aspect of it. There are morals to be learned from that, but I wanted to focus on the uh, journey of the human spirit through combat. So it's a very allegorical tale, and I wonder how many people have caught on to some of the messages, but definitely the human side of how ugly the world can get was my main focus. Yeah. Well, I could see that. Each of these characters, uh, yeah, they have very distinct qualities or, I guess, negatives because of what's happened to them. That's very clear. Um, so going back to the animals that are in this novel 
you bring out again terrible with species names but you bring out um that kind of ancient crocodiles prehistoric crocodile type beasts what uh, oh it's a caprisuchus <laughs> boom there you go those that scene with them I, uh, I keep saying scene and i'm such a film dude um that chapter was all the chapters that include them is is pretty goddamn <laughs> I, I mean it's action-packed that i'm I mean, excited a, to hear caprasuchus is in that <laughs> there's a there's a piece of concept art you released i'm pretty sure um yeah that includes that scene did that that one actually get released yeah that's the uh caprasuchus right? fighting the uh triceratops herd it's called uh legion that's right that was a uh that was a great scene let me see I'm trying to pull up the picture now so I can have a look. By the way, guys, uh, to those listening, head to dresscoutpost.com and just search for Primitive War. Or go to Primitive War on Facebook because you've got a Facebook page, right? Yeah. Uh, there's some great concept art on there. And obviously, if you haven't read the book, you can read some of the scenes on Dress Scout Post. There's two, two... I keep saying scenes, man. There's two chapters on there that you can read. And obviously, you can uh, order the book now on Amazon. So I got it on Amazon.co.uk. It came in a few days. Uh, well, you you got a digital copy, right? You got the Kindle. Yeah, it's uh, only Kindle copy online right now. Get the Kindle, Chris. Do it. Yeah, I could, could download that instantly and start reading. Start reading while we pod. Maybe finish before we finish, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's the artwork. There's the artwork with the Caprasuchus there. Yeah, and Chris, trust me, that scene is as violent and ridiculous as it seems. The chapter, sorry, is as violent and ridiculous as it seems in that piece of concept art. It is crazy. One was uh, life under right. Yeah, no, I can imagine, man. I gotta ask, actually, what is your favorite chapter? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> personally, I think my favorite one to write was a chapter called Ascension, which is where the uh, Russian characters are working their way through a large blood plane, and on the way they encounter Quetzalcoatlus. Dude, yeah, I love that bit. That uh, that was horrific as well. <laughs> and the, the way you describe certain characters' deaths there is so violent. Ooh, spoilers. Nah, no one dies. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, yeah. that that chapter. What chapter was that? Chapter. 18, uh, I think nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, I'm just flicking through now to grab that bit. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> God, that was a great chapter. It reminded me a lot of. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Jurassic Park Kenner concept art. There was always stuff to do with pteranodons and sort of violence that they could bring on. Oh, you want to you want to uh, read a line from it? Yeah, go on. Let me uh, chapter nineteen. Where are we? Just like single out a moment that stands out to you. <laughs> let me find. Let me get to the bit I'm thinking of. Uh... Can I? Do you mind if I spoil? I guess it's not too much of a spoiler. There's a lot of there's a lot of violence in this. Yeah, there's a lot of death in it, regardless. So one death won't, you know, be a huge twist or anything. So how do you say that species? Because that's what's going to stumble me here. The, the... Uh, Quetzalcoatlus. Quetzalcoatlus. Uh, with a horrendous scream, Tolstoy's arms were pulled apart by the Quetzalcoatlus. Cuts out coatless tongues. <laughs> they swallowed his limbs whole, then repeated the process with his legs. Tolstoy's screams dropped into a breathless wheezing. 
So here we go. Without a sound, the Quetzal Coatless jabbed its beak in and out of Tolstoy's body, punching holes through his torso, destroying organs, snapping his bones into splinters. Tolstoy vomited thick and red. His skull was empty, screaming as he was lifted by his neck. Damn. It's violent. Yeah. Damn. You look at Quetzalcoatlus and you wonder what it could do to you. Oh my, yeah. I mean, it, it would just pull you apart like a like an insect, really. I mean, those are such large animals. Yeah, there is a there is a piece of conceptual artwork I saw for Quetzalcoatlus that inspired one of their more bizarre features in the novel. His name's uh, Tila Kovacs. I might be pronouncing that wrong. But he uh, created some artwork that depicted the uh, little quilled tongues that the Quetzalcoatlus have. And that just got my mind going. I had to had to incorporate that. Even though it isn't absolutely realistic. I mean, everybody's read all your yesterdays. So got to oh, yeah, have I mean, some speculation in there. Absolutely. No, I'm, I totally understand you can have a you can have a lot of fun with you know speculative features on animals. Maybe the fossil record doesn't support it, but it's not necessarily. There's things that the fossil record just won't show. So sometimes you do have to. Uh... Yeah, I'm definitely not going towards a uh, spinosaurus with the trunk though. <laughs> and far away oh, from that. That is one of the more interesting ones out there, isn't it? Are you a fan of um Mark Witten's work, by the way, his artwork? Uh, I'm sure I've seen it. I follow a lot of paleo art groups on Facebook, so. Yeah, if you don't already, I would follow uh, Mark Witten. He's pretty active on uh, Twitter, especially. Um, and he's he, his. I love his style of artwork. It really captures sort of modern physiology of dinosaurs and modern accuracy, but it sort of captures that texture and look that the old school, like Charles Knight artwork. Um, uh, where, yeah. where, where the world just seemed a little bit more magnificent. Everything seemed a little bit more um, beautiful, a little bit more fantastic, but it's within the realm of reason as well. I just love his artwork so much. I'm looking at his Quetzalcoatlus piece right now, and uh, I just I dig it a lot. Would it be okay if we talked about uh, Raph Lomaton's art for the uh, Primitive War series? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, so... I started talking to Raph, uh, Raph Lomotan about a year ago, and uh, I saw his artwork that depicted a sort of Jurassic Park-like scenario of dinosaurs in cages and in park-like settings, and just his style of digital painting was, I mean, it was raw, and it was beautiful simultaneously, and he even did some artwork related to war. Uh, one of the earliest pieces I remember that he had done were soldiers in Vietnam, or it might have been World War II, but just the raw and emotional way that he depicted it with just broad strokes, but still clearly defined features. Uh, I had to reach out to him, and his artwork's just phenomenal. If you don't follow him on Facebook or follow his art page, you're missing out. He does all kinds of incredible stuff. So how can uh, how can people find him? Just searching his name into Facebook? Yeah, his uh, art page is Raph04Art. How do you R-A-P-H- spell? R-A-P-H- 
EH04 art. All right. Yeah, not to do a plug mid show, but just wanted to no, give him that shout out. Absolutely. Oh, I've seen some so, of his pieces before. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really like these pieces a lot. Yeah. So for the primitive war artwork that he does, uh, the main goal was to have something that is realistic, but at the same time, very rugged and uh, sort of emotional. So there's a lot of very vivid details throughout the artwork. And the dinosaurs are portrayed beautifully, especially the Triceratops and the Utah Raptors. They all look incredible, but he manages to do it in such a way that it feels more intense in the moment when you look at it it feels alive and moving absolutely i mean the pieces that i've seen yeah i'm familiar with a lot of his work i don't think i ever attributed it to his name but i'm definitely familiar with a lot of his work i did not realize that it was uh i didn't even recognize that it was his artwork that he worked with for you it's really really great stuff here really great stuff yeah, I've had the privilege to work with a decent amount of paleo artists, uh, up-and-coming artists that I think will take the spotlight in years to come. And trying to keep that tradition going forward because I'm going to be releasing short stories that take place between the first and second novels. So this, is, this is something I was going to ask you, Ethan. It ends... It kind of you wrap a lot of things up and then it ends kind of openly. the The option for a, a sequel, a follow up, is definitely there. So you're writing number two, or you're or you're drafting ideas for number two, right? Uh, number two is currently in the uh, revision phase. The general idea for the sequel was planned out about a year and a half ago, back when I was living in California. And I'd only written about 40 pages for it at that point, but as soon as I released Primitive War, I had the desire to get back to work on it. And I spent a few months redoing the entire thing, but still maintaining uh, my sense of language for it, maintaining the uh, landscapes I wanted to present, the emotions that I wanted to convey, and the general storyline that i wanted to pursue so storyline so go ahead i was gonna say and storyline as in like what allegory i want to tell through it what message i want to deliver by the end of the story so for anybody that has read primitive war could you give us a little tease uh what the sequel may include or at least uh will it be set in the same location no so the short story series that take that I'm going to be releasing before the second novel, it's going to follow uh, what happens leading up to an event in Africa. And things in Africa get pretty crazy. The general narrative for it is about how fear can lead to the creation of evil or heroes. Right. And yeah. there's Parkerodontosaurus. Oh, okay, that's that's a cool. I love the concept of the story there, like the general ideas at play, and that's a very cool dinosaur for a dinosaur fan as well, and a great setting. 
Yeah, I yeah. think uh, we've discussed many times before, Chris, about having a uh, having a Jurassic set somewhere in Africa or in the African plains. So I could definitely see dinosaurs out there, and um, obviously the way Primitive War ends def- does, doesn't hold back. So yeah, I, I, that'll be uh, that'll be really exciting. So when, when are you releasing the first short story? So I'm considering doing it within January, but. I really want to wait until the second novel is completely finished so that way I can just drop every short story leading up to officially publishing the novel. But at the same time, I always want to share more. I always want to put more stories in people's heads and give them more uh, you know, mental imagery to chew on. Sure. How do you plan on sharing the short stories when you do when you do decide to like um, what format are you going to put them out or where are you going to put them out? I'll be making them available in PDF on the Primitive War website. There's no official domain name yet for it. It's just on a, a Squarespace site. Uh, okay. But I will be sharing it on Facebook on the Primitive War page, and each chapter or short story will. Uh, have a piece of artwork that goes with it, some by Raph Lomaton and some by other commissioned artists. And if I do begin dropping in January, it'll be one per month. And I'll be doing it in about two seasons. So probably one set, 10 short stories, and then break another set of 10 short stories, and then hopefully sequel. Nice. I'm, I'm. I mean, I need to read the first novel, but I'm really excited to kind of digest all of this uh, dinosaur-related fiction. Yeah, Chris. And, uh, honestly, yeah. I couldn't stop thinking you'd love this. You would. Yeah, I. I am a little late to the party here, but I really do. I really have meant to read it, um, and I really should just pick it up on Kindle and just dive into it. Especially because I'm. I'm currently sick, so it's like, what I'm basically <laughs> have been doing is either watching movies or reading. So. Yeah, I feel like as well, this is something you just blitz through. Seems like yeah, the perfect definitely thing. check it out. And uh, leave a review when you do. Yeah, Absolutely. in fact, I left you a review on Amazon, my friend. Yeah, and you said some incredible reading. things. Thank you, man. I think, I think my favorite thing that you said was that the jungle was like its own character. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, hang on. I pulled up my review. What did I say? The jungle is its own character, elegantly described and slowly introduced. The mystery of the jungle as well. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. You describe, okay, so the characters have their own descriptions. The dinosaurs are very well detailed. I could picture what they were, especially because I'm not very clued in on uh, on other species that certainly aren't in Jurassic Park. I don't know them as well as Chris. You describe them so well, but yeah, the jungle itself, the location, the landscape, it's all so, yeah, it's its own character. Yeah, that was a huge goal. Uh, I wanted to make the jungle out to be an entity of its own. The threat that always looms in the back of the minds of those that are inside of it. Just knowing that you're in this greater organism that can easily just digest you. Yeah, and yeah, that's what's also freaky about it is that you know, the environment they're in, this jungle, they could die there alone without the need for dinosaurs or war. Um, and yeah, it's 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 great. It really is. Read it, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, I love <laughs> I love fiction that turns the environment into um, an actual, it's not just, you know, it's not just a stage play. 
it's not just a backdrop you know it's actually living and breathing and like the reality is nature just ground earth trees everything like that it, it can be it can be both something to admire and something to steer away from it's nice yeah. reading something that actually like kind of embraces that idea yeah I that's feel... why i'm okay you go ahead uh, all right uh so that's another reason why africa is such a interesting setting for the sequel i mean the savannah is a place of desolation and also a place of just pristine beauty yeah sort of like Sort of like the rainforest, but where the rainforest is a very vivid image of the life and death cycle. The uh, savanna, the grasslands of Africa, there's a desolation about it. Just the water being sucked dry from the soil. It's both teeming with life and death. It It lives on both ends of the extreme exactly uh, yeah absolutely i think that that's a uh, really really exciting premise and a really exciting setting and uh i mean i'm very curious to read the story now for the first and see you know where these characters end up and what that means for a sequel um and how that all kind of goes into play so i know that i'm quite i'm definitely very excited to read this even without the idea of a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it is a good book. And there's a lot of species in it as well. Yeah, what is yeah. that? Do you, do you want to say the species count, or do you want to kind of keep that as a surprise for readers? Uh, so, obviously there's Tyrannosaurus Rex, and there's uh, Utah Raptors. You have to have those two big ones in any dinosaur story. It's just not the same without it. There's also Triceratops and the Capricucus and Quetzalcoatlus, as mentioned before, although neither of those are dinosaurs. And there's also Deinonychus. But I think the thing is, is that each of the dinosaurs have their own surprises about them and their appearances and their behaviors. So I don't think it's a spoiler to say the species. Okay. Ethan, oh, I really... Stig... Oh, you, you go ahead, man. Oh, uh, Stiggy Moloch. That was another one. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> that's relevant with that actually relevant for a jurassic park fan now <laughs> oh yeah yeah back i think in, I'm, I'm i'm putting my money on seeing that one in the trailer in november all right yeah i don't follow jurassic park as much anymore or at least i don't follow jurassic world as much but i'll definitely be there opening day i think you'll like the species they have in the sequel as a dinosaur More hybrids fan. Well, there's at least one <laughs> hybrid, but the dinosaur species that they're putting in, the real dinosaurs, quote unquote, no feathers, but you know, I, they they have some cool picks this time around. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. I know that they're uh, bringing back some old classics, going for that old Lost World nostalgia. <laughs> there really That's is a lot of true. Yeah, there's a lot that reminds me of the Lost World, with what we know of Fallen Kingdom. Ethan, and uh, uh, just to segue, I really enjoyed reading the book, man. And honestly, good luck with it. I really hope it sells. Um, I hope you're able to shift a number of copies, and I hope uh, the feedback you continue to get is great. If you're listening out there, do go out and read this. It's only what four dollars on a ki- on Kindle. So if you have a Kindle, 
what is it? It's for? actually five dollars on Kindle. Oh no, I told him four. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's five dollars. It, it's it's. I mean, if you're in the UK, it's five pounds as well. So you know, check it out. Honestly, give it a read. This is from a Jurassic fan to another fan. Uh, it it really is a. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so with that, Ethan, what are your thoughts Ooh. on Jurassic World Two? Oh, I'll definitely go see it. Uh, always excited to see more Ian Malcolm. <laughs> Ain't yes. that the truth? Goldblum's back. But uh, mm. so, did you like Jurassic World? Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I have my own opinions because I'm a huge fan of Michael Crichton, and I don't. I just wonder what he would think if he could see it. <laughs> yeah. I, For sure. I, I still enjoyed it. The only I thing think... I don't understand is running in high heels. <laughs> it still plagues people that. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the honestly, Crichton, I think that he would probably be relieved if he saw it, considering for all the years when, you know, he was still moderately involved with knowing where the story was going, not necessarily writing it. It was when things were just so zany and crazy with those, like, dino-human hybrids. I think he'd probably... Oh, yeah. I think you're probably like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they told that absolutely. way back. <laughs> uh, great way to look at it. Um, and one thing I can say for it is it kind of plays into the swashbuckling uh, both fiction novels that he used to write under a different name. So I think he'd see something to enjoy in it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, yeah, like Chris said, I, I feel like... Um, I feel like Fallen Kingdom will make up for is definitely the wrong phrase, but I think it'll steer a lot of fans back to the franchise, or at least I, I really do hope it does, because Jurassic World was caused a bit of a stir for some. Fallen some, Kingdom uh, sounds very Crichton from what it we... It sounds Crichton, and a lot of what we've heard and seen, it's very... I think it's very Lost World, like you said earlier. I think it's. Uh, I think it, it seems to pull a lot from the Lost World, as well as the plot, from what we can work out, seems to... Seems to seems to kind of be similar to the Lost World, kind of a restoration yeah, slash just kind of uh, yeah. Well, what I'm most excited for is having John Boyega as director because A Monster Calls is just such an incredible film. Yeah, A Monster Calls is great. Uh, did you see the orphanage? Uh, I did years ago. Don't really remember it too well. It the orphanage just, is, you know, is is good. I think I think what Bayona does well is. The Orphanage is like a Spanish horror, so it's got true horror elements. Pretty scary. We need horror elements in Jurassic Park. He also did The Impossible, which is a huge disaster flick. He's a disaster and survival movie. And yeah, then and he does that really well as well. I think and a monster the monster calls right a like a drama and Spielbergian almost. And yeah, monster it's sort of fantastical, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's sad, man. Um, oh, and just beautifully directed, though. Yeah, I mean, his yeah. use of lighting unparalleled and, oh, and that's again yeah. that's why i'm excited that he brought his cinematographer oscar fora on board because i mean the cinematography in jurassic world was it just didn't feel in place with the previous three or at least even the lost world you know i, I love the cinematography of kaminsky there the dark was very jj abrams shadows yeah it was just super bright all the time i felt like, Everything yeah, was I felt super like it didn't lit. tell a story it did not like the cinematographer me cinematography for me in Jurassic World never told a story. It never really added to the story. 
and never really added to the moments. There were a few shots I really liked, but they were mainly like the close-ups of the characters when they're framed in doorways and the like doors Hoskins. were closing. Hoskins yeah. steps in and he's got the map behind him and that shot's yeah. really nice, but then all of a sudden it's just overlit. The whole thing's so bright. Even the jungle scenes are just like bright hot sun. It just, to me, mm-hmm. it didn't thematically fit with the previous three the camera motion didn't necessarily tell a story nor did the camera framing tell a story for me personally but that's but that's john schwartzman all over you watch any of his movies and it's all the same although he did book of henry and from a cinematography point of view it's actually a pretty nicely shot film yeah that's what i was saying it was a nicely shot film a really well acted film um colin directed the hell out of his actors in that movie he got some great performances so, so what I'm hoping for is that John Boyega brings his sense of uh, shadow and warm light yeah. at a uh, juxtaposition. I hope he brings that into this new Jurassic Park movie. I almost called it The Lost World. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are thinking it that way. Yeah, I hope so too. That That's what I'm really hoping for is the cinematography to be more on point and obviously story and character, but... Yeah, I just I want it to feel more like a Jurassic, and I, I feel like it will. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, it's, I think it's going to light the way. Yeah. As far as Jurassic Park film goes, but if Universal Studios ever wants to give, give me a call for a truly dark Jurassic Park, I'm always here. Hey, that's that's the thing. I couldn't <laughs> hey. stop thinking during this when it gets rebooted, man. It's gonna need some vicious descriptions of dinosaurs ripping out intestines. I'm I, I'm pretty sure I know the guy. <laughs> Hey, I mean, hey, yeah. Universal, they're investing in uh they're investing in hard R films anyhow. Maybe Universal just wants a monopoly on dinosaur films, turn your novel into a movie, you know? Yeah. Shop yeah, we're actually I'm actually working on that right now with a awesome team of people. We're trying to bring tension and horror back into dinosaur storytelling, but with something that's very small and very uh, uh emotion driven. And that's how it always should be. Yeah. Uh, uh, Can I give a quick shout-out to some of the guys on the team? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Kay Robinson is handling the uh, CGI. Great. We met Kay, actually. We met him uh, at the Philly event. Yeah, he's a great guy. And uh, he's working on the Tyrannosaurus Rex right now. We uh, already shot the teaser trailer. Me, uh, my co-directors, Zach. And Nodek and our lead actor, Evan. I'm not going to say full names yet, but sure. super great guys. Awesome team to work with. We also have friends in uh, France, uh, Medic and uh, Baruch, working on the animation as well, the rigging. And Raph Lomotan, still working on concept artwork and actually uh, animal designs. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's a lot of fun working like a... on the project. Yeah, no, you should uh, give us a sneak peek uh, once we're done recording or one of these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're hoping to have the teaser trailer up soon. We uh, Right now we have music being composed by uh, Rebel. He's a close friend of mine. Uh the score, I think, is going to take people's breath away. That's fantastic, Ethan. As yeah. always, I mean, you messaged me when you were when you were looking to publish that novel. 
keep in touch. Like Chris said, we'd love to get all this stuff out on the outpost. I'm sure people will love to read it. Uh, the concept art that you shared in the chapter did very well on our Instagram and on our various social channels. So yeah, be sure to share everything with us. And honestly, it was um, it was really great to meet you at the event. It was great to meet all the fans, and it was really great to uh, to read your book. I do highly recommend it for anyone that's a fan of dinosaurs and Jurassic Park. It's uh, it's a solid read. Um, and it was really great to speak to you today, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me come on. And it was nice meeting you guys, too. That was a great morning running around the outside of the Franklin Institute. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just wish it was longer because that night was, that day was just just a blur for me. But it yeah. was it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. And I'm really glad that you came. And uh, I'm glad that you came on the podcast. And I'm really excited to see like what the future holds. Yeah. Same yeah, and I'd if, like to. If we have another I'd event, like, you got to show up. Oh, absolutely! And I'd like to see Primitivore stand side by side with Jurassic Park someday. Well, hey, buddy, it's, on, it's on my or, shelf, man. Right. It's sitting. You know where? You know where a Primitive War sits on my shelf right now? Between right next to. Well, and funnily enough, I don't have my Jurassic Park on the shelf. I have a good number of Michael <laughs> Crichton, but this sits next to the second Annihilation book, Authority. Uh, by Jeff Vandermeer, uh, and between the original Train Spotting, that's where it sits. Train Spotting? Yeah. The uh, you seen the film? Yeah. Yeah. There's a. It's, that... it's based on a book. It's a good book. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's a compliment or. <laughs> it, <laughs> it definitely. It definitely plays into some of the thematic material. <laughs> for sure. Much. For sure. I'll, you know, I'll preface that uh, there's uh, no order to my shelf other than. Uh, Oh, what, <laughs> at the time, what can I throw up there? But uh, yeah, it's in between those two great novels. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, I didn't shove this to the back. It was a good read, and I uh, I wanted it on my shelf. Plus, the cover art itself is fantastic. So you know, that's yeah. the reason why I'm kind of tempted to buy the physical copy and not the digital copy. I'm like, ah, I, oh, I definitely. Book, I love holding a book in my hand, and the artwork's just beautiful. So it's definitely like... invest in it. It was done by an amazing artist. Uh, my friend Justin uh, Trevor Crowley uh, did an amazing job with it. I actually had the cover come in my mind when I was laying down to go to sleep. I've been thinking about it all day, and it just popped up, <laughs> and couldn't be happier with it. And I think I've I think, said uh, to you before, uh, it's uh, reminiscent of the Lost World PlayStation game. Uh, yeah, just, Trespasser. Yeah, Trespasser, and the transitions in that in the original PlayStation where they have. Uh, you know where it does each dinosaur's introduction, then it ends with the kind of skeleton of the dinosaur. Yeah. Reminds me of that man. Yeah, very cool. I think it turned out great. It did. It really did. So thank you so much for coming on, Ethan. Great to speak to you. And uh, yeah, that's been in general episode sixty-two. Ethan, I'm sure you'll be on again. But uh, yeah, oh, tell, tell people I where to go. So. Tell people where to go. Find your stuff. So on Facebook, it's just under Primitive War. Uh, the actual URL might be facebook.com slash Primitive War series or Primitive War novel. And the uh, sample chapters and some of the concept artwork is up on primitivewar.squarespace.com. And last but not least, if you haven't read the book yet, you can find it on Amazon and paperback and Kindle and read it drop a review let me know what you think and uh definitely follow raf lomaton's art page raf 04 art definitely thank you so much for coming on man we'll speak to you soon
Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks, Ethan. All right, nice. Ethan, cool. thank you very much, man. I will give you a shout when this... Uh, well, actually, Assis will give you a shout when he's got this edited. I think he's ready to go now, so it may be up tomorrow. I'd, I'd say probably tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I will um, We'll speak on Facebook, I'm sure. All right, absolutely. And uh, if Chris wants to read the book, I can send you a copy of the Kindle version, but... Uh, paperback might be a little bit expensive for me to ship overseas. Uh, I mean, I, I might end up investing in the paperback myself. <clears throat> if you just want to send me a Kindle in the meantime, so I can read like, the Kindle version while I'm reading it, I'd be more than happy to accept that. Uh, honestly, I would say save the experience for the uh, paperback because, yeah. I mean, in <laughs> my own experience, reading a fresh book, I mean got to have in your hands. It's not the I, same. I totally screen. get that. I definitely get that. I, I like my Kindle. Um, but usually when I when there's a book I want to read, I pick up the paperback. And uh, the Kindle is safe for like camping and hiking when I want to bring a collection of books with me. I'll just buy a digital copy. Yeah. Uh, I'll send you the uh, I'll send you a PDF or an ebook version and if you can hold off until you can read in paperback or if you just want to like read it and then skip ahead when you do get the paperback. Yeah. I, I, either way, I'm definitely reading this. I'm looking forward to it and I will leave yeah. a review. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, good man. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll disconnect the call in a sec, but yeah, cheers dude. It was good to speak to you. And honestly, it was good to meet you. Uh, I'm fucking busy. I'm so busy these days, but, um, <laughs> We chat, we chat every now and then, every couple of weeks on Facebook. It's uh, it's good to keep up to date with what you're up to. Yeah, I appreciate it. And if you want to read any of the short stories that take place between novels, let me know. I'll send you some. Great. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Let us know uh, when you're planning on dropping the first one, because uh, obviously we'd love to throw that up on the outpost as well. Yeah, I might go through with the uh, seasons idea because I already have over. 120 pages worth of short stories so while i revise and edit the uh second novel i can just toss one of those out every like every few weeks or once a month and just yeah i just want to uh build this up as much as i can because yeah i know i'm not in an interview anymore though (laughs) (laughs) no don't need that all right, Definitely. guys. I got a bolt, but uh, Ethan, great speech to you, dude. Yeah, it was nice talking to you guys, too. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. Um, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Peace out. Cheers. Well, hello there. I hear you're a fan of dinosaurs and Jurassic Park. Well, check this out. Audible has got a deal that is perfect for you. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial for you to check out their great service. Since Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is coming out next year, why not go back and listen to the first Jurassic Park novel written by Michael Crichton on audiobook? Or, if you're interested in something brand new, why not go check out Michael Crichton's novel Dragon Teeth? Hey, you might even be interested in something brand new, why not go check out Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg? To download your free audiobook trial today, go to audibletrial.com slash ingeneral. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash ingeneral for your free audiobook. One more time, why not? audibletrial.com slash I-N-G-E-N-E-R-A-L. Thank you, Audible. We love you.
All right, and I hope you're not going anywhere because our podcast is not over yet. I am joined with Assis. Uh-oh, time to ruin the podcast again. <laughs> Assis, have you been here this whole time and just weren't talking? This is correct, my friends. I was actually uh, in class, then on the bus, and then uh, and now I'm here. Welcome. So, you're here for us for a little bit here, and... Uh-huh. We are just going to do um, a little bit of a news recap and uh, a little talk about what's to come very shortly. Uh, so there hasn't been much news since your last podcast, but there's still literally been... one piece of uh, one, one two, article. On two the articles. Dra- oh, two articles on the Jurassic Outpost. Just yes. two, my friends. Um, Universal, where are you? <laughs> at least we're getting close to the trailer. But uh, yeah, truth. Yeah. So um, anyhow. So the first little bit of news that we have to talk about is Mattel recently kind of stealthily snuck a picture of one of their Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom prototypes in a article with, uh, was it Forbes, I believe? Chris, I don't know anything about our website. It was Fortune, I'm sorry. All I know about this, uh, this little piece of news is if you look at the Hasbro T-Rex and then the future Mattel T-Rex, it's not even close. Oh, yeah, I don't know what Hasbro is doing with their Jurassic World toys. We've Mattel, been that. Yeah, Mattel gives a shit, and it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious, in my opinion. You can see... 100% that's a Jurassic Park T-Rex. That's a, you, you can't mistake it. There's no way. And I'm I'm kind of happy about that, because I'm going to buy it. I, I love other, it. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I love it. Now, this is a prototype, so it's a 3D print in this case, and I'm not sure if it's the real size of the final toy. It looks like this 3D print might be a bit smaller than the final toy. Even still, the, the detail, well, the shape, and everything the is shape. perfect. So the shape and the muscle structure, and um, all that is so on point. Like there's the veins, there's the muscle structure, there's the skull structure. It is literally amazing how much detail is there. Now the one thing that's lacking is it has no skin detail other than around the eye, and I think that that's probably the one part that I'm left a little bit like. I, I'm hoping that maybe the final item will have more skin detail, like with the scales and um scoots. And scratches, um, See, if you I, will. I can forgive that though, because you know, well, considering what we got with Hasbro, though, like this is like a, a thousand step. If, if you don't have okay. the skin detail, but the overall model looks like a T Rex. Yeah, but it, it's gonna look cartoony if you, especially if you have a thirty percent bigger with uh, no detail. It's gonna look kind of cartoony. Um, it'll look, yeah, it'll look but... kind of funny, especially once you put paint on it. It will look kind of funny. So that is the one thing that I hope. I hope that um, this print just doesn't show the skin detail that they have planned because it's literally perfect. It just needs skin detail. Also, those teeth are amazing. It's so nice to see teeth that aren't um, aren't pegs or aren't like all melded together. Um, they actually. Can I speculate for a second? Sure. I mean, you're the toy expert. You're you and Ryan. Um, do we know if this is based off of any previous toy or Horizon model from like 1993? It's probably a new sculpt. Um, it's probably a new digital sculpt. So uh, ZBrush. If anything, they worked from either the IOM file just like Chronicle worked from, or they worked from Chronicle's file. It's very possible that they did some asset sharing with Chronicle um, and maybe worked from the breakout T-Rex ZBrush sculpt, but um, it's still something unique. Well, Uh, we've seen what Chronicle can do with the the T-Rex stuff, and this is is a great sign in my opinion. But I would say that it's neither because it doesn't have the fine skin detail. Oh, but Chris, the model itself is so like. Look at the freaking Hasbro T Rex, dude. It looks so freaking. Well, no, bad. that's what I'm, I'm just saying. I don't think it's using any of those as um. I don't think they copied any of those other pre-existing models out there because 
uh, there's no skin detail on this in the Horizon kit, and the um, the Breakout T-Rex would have had some of the finer skin detail. So that that's why I think it's a brand new sculpt. They obviously referred to the same materials. They probably referred to the IOM sculpt. From what I can tell is they probably referred to the IOM Jurassic World T-Rex, but then they finished fleshing it out by referring to Jurassic Park and getting some of those nuances that really made the Jurassic Park T-Rex special. And while it's going to yeah. be a Jurassic World 2 T-Rex toy, it looks like it paid a lot of attention to Jurassic Park. It's a great sign in my opinion. I, Mattel, you're off to a good start in my book. Yeah, this is a sign of what's to come um, with the smaller dinosaurs, which from our understanding it 100% is. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot a lot of really great stuff out there on the market. You know, I can't wait to see some of the smaller electronic stuff, the basic figures, you know, the attack packs, the roar vores. Wait, are the Roar of Wars similar to the uh, Bat... Well, not the Basher Biter, but the electronic one from yeah, Jurassic World called? they're similar to that, but they don't have the damage from what Oh, Reac Attack. That's, yeah, they're yeah, similar to Reac Attack without like the damage. Those. Without the like damage. So they're more similar to Classic Kenner, the Classic Very Kenner nice. electronic dinosaurs, where, you know, there was like the Chasmosaurus or the Baryonyx. Um, sure, sure, sure. It, you know, there's there's more similar to those. Um, listen, man, I'm I'm on board for this. I give give me what you got, man. Give me what you got. So yeah, I just I really hope we don't have to wait until uh, Toy Fair 2018 to see the items in February. But I do believe we're going to have to wait that long unless there's like a leak or something but like that. But Chris, is it not fair to say that Mattel has given us a better tease than? Uh... Universal itself for Jurassic World 2? Yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, it might have oh, been, yeah. been a total unintentional tease. To no way. There's you. no way. It well, was so prominent of an image, wasn't it, though? When, well, no. If you look at the full image, it was kind of small. It was just sitting there on the table. It's very oh, but, possible that yeah, when but they... But they, they knew what they were doing. They, maybe. They knew we were going to find out. Maybe. When we put this article out about this toy, if you look lower, we have that image from Mattel's Toy Fair. Sure. Of blue behind the cage. That was sure. sitting on Instagram for a while. And uh, as soon as we ran the article about the toy, about a few hours later, it got deleted after sitting on Instagram for a few days. So I do think that Mattel higher-ups saw the picture of their Jurassic World toy and went like, what the hell? We put that out? We did what now? And I think it maybe so maybe they didn't necessarily, maybe the Jurassic team didn't know. I think, I'm like, a bit of a conspiracy theorist, my friend. I think everything is planned. I think mm -hmm. everything is planned. Nah, no, def definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. I don't think so. Um, but I'm glad that it happened, nonetheless. Absolutely. I'm glad that it happened. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that we have a lot to be excited for. Only the super fans saw this anyhow. Um, it's not painted. And it's just a T-Rex. It's not like they accidentally revealed like a new species of dinosaur in Fallen Kingdom. So I think it's like the perfect tease, to be honest with you. It but looks... remember how easily the, uh, the Indominus Rex was uh, identified by the Lego leak? Oh my god, yeah. Months that... before? Yeah. That was fantastic. That Lego leak happened, like, was it, like, right around this time of year? Um, yeah, 2014? Like, 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 late 20, uh, 2014, early 2015. It was fantastic. Man. I think I was getting, like, no, it was early 20, it was late 2014. I think I was getting dragged <laughs> to see that crappy Ouija board movie. And, like, it was, like, right before I walked in the theater, like, you guys messaged the chat, and they're like, Chris, Chris, write an article. I'm like, I'm at the movie theater. And, like, I saw the pictures. I was like, oh, my God. What the hell? How did this happen? Um, it had all the raptors, too. Like, the uh, the four different species of raptors, four different color patterns of the raptors. But, like, why are there four different patterns? One of them must be fake or whatever, you know? It was, it was fun back then. I missed those days. Yeah, I think it was this time of year. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I, I, I would have to look back. But anyways, I mean, it must be. Anyways, this Mattel toy is pretty cool. Um, 
Let's move on to our other um, discovery that we just made at Jurassic Outpost, and we're currently, right now as we're recording, we're in the process of doing a article. By the time you listen to this podcast, the particle, the particle, the particle, particle accelerator, the, the article is going to be up. So it's um for a company. Oh shoot, let me find out the name of the company. That would be useful. Uh, the company's know, name is PPR Solution, and they put out their 2018 catalog. Mm-hmm. And they're they have Jurassic World items, uh, you know, they're, they're school supplies like binders and folders and um, things along those lines. And if you've been following, if you've been following our podcast, our website, you know, we're we're pretty big proponents of school, especially <laughs> me. So I know I'm gonna get one of these books for my uh, I hope my so. final little bit of university. I hope so. Um, getting all the uh, getting all the girls and gals to get you know yeah the, these are the real uh, the uh, they're the they're the uh, I don't know they just they're, they're the talk of the town aren't they inescapable like 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 catnip for for nerdy boys and girls yeah you know <laughs> sorry I, <laughs> it, to my defense I am sick and Chris I know is on drugs I I, I I I am sick I am out of it so I, deal with me here so anyways though. Um, these are really cool. Uh, you know, we've already had some images of like, uh, I think it was like folders in the past where mm-hmm. it's like that sort of lava-y looking lo- logo. Yep. And some people were like, oh, that's not Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom because it doesn't say Fallen Kingdom, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it is. Like, come on. You guys know like lava, whatever. Okay, whatever. Um, anyways, I don't think that people will be able to deny, um, this artwork now because it is so cool and, uh, it, it's, uh. I mean, do you want to describe some of it, and we can kind of take turns tag team this real quick? Oh man, I have to describe something. Shoot. Uh, all right, let's start with the uh, let's start with a nice little, I guess, amber looking color logo. Amber. Oh, you're talking about the lava one? Yeah, let's start from there, right? Okay, so the lava one on like what looks like a skin back, like a textured skin background. Ooh. Where have we seen a skin back before? This kind of reminds me of the early um, the Jurassic World key art for the exactly Indominus right. Rex. But oh, back yeah. then, it was more cartoonized. So the Indominus Rex skin pattern was like blue with red rather mm-hmm. than just being white. And then yeah. eventually for the uh, blue, the one Blu-ray set, they released it again, oh, but in all white. white background. Where it was actually Heavily. the right color as the Indominus Rex. So what's interesting about this yeah. is it's very similar to the scale pattern on the Indominus Rex, but it's different. Um, but... These scales are sort of a black color. And, Chris, uh, remember, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Uh, listener, let's play a game. Percentage. What do you think that's the uh, the pebbly skin texture of the uh, Indoraptor? I, I'm. That's where I was going. I absolutely think this is oh, the Indoraptor yeah. skin. Um, we know. So Colin Trevorrow shared an image, uh, close up of a dinosaur's jaws, and we saw that the skin was black and it had Indominus Rex-like teeth and skin texture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the dinosaur was nowhere near as big, and of course the skin was black. Um, we know that Frank Marshall tweeted about Indoraptor and then deleted it, and then Universal <laughs> shortly afterwards trademarked Indoraptor. So yeah, I, I think that this is our Indoraptor. I think it mirrors the way that they use the Indominus key art tease the Indominus key art in ways that they didn't fully reveal the design. So I think that we have this lava-y, fiery, broken Jurassic logo on top of the Indoraptor skin, and it's pretty cool looking. It's a great logo. Straight up, it's just a good logo. Yeah, I like it. They didn't put any font or words on the cover of it. 
it's just that really iconic circle logo where it doesn't say Jurassic World. It's just a circle. It's all fiery and it's on the skin. It's cool. I like it. I mean, this deep into the franchise, like people know what that logo itself is. They don't need the they don't need the text anymore. You know? Yeah, and what I like is the key art. Like it's all still for kids, one hundred percent. But yeah. I feel like this time around, it's like if Jurassic World felt like it was targeting like maybe ages three to seven. I feel like Jurassic World 2's key art seems to be targeting, like, ages 7 to 14 or 7 to 12. Like, it's like they kind I would of... say 12 and up, honestly. Yeah, but really, out of all honesty, they might say 12 and up, but we know, like, this type of art appeals to 7-year-olds. Let's be real. I mean, if, if it's going to appeal to us, too, though, because we know we're hardcore fans. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's nostalgic in a way, seeing oh, new yeah. material and the types of things that we love. Um, it definitely reminds me a lot more of, like, the stuff that they put out for The Lost World. Uh it, really okay yeah it, it, it's fun it, it's dinosaur it's got a little bit of attitude you know it's definitely for kids <laughs> but I, I think that what's what's nice is it's using artwork that more accurately reflects the franchise um i mean that that circular logo has been around for ages yeah it's just it's used in a good way though i think that it 100%, looks i agree 100 percent. it's it's classic but they modernized it, you know, for the uh, new series, which I'm, I'm totally on board for. And I like it because that circular logo, he yeah. doesn't need to say Jurassic World. It doesn't need to say exactly Jurassic right. Park. It encompasses, we all know what it is. It encompasses the franchise. So. Yeah, 100%. So um, which other – I want to save, I think, maybe the uh, the other one. for. There's two really, really cool ones, and I want to save them for the last two. Mm-hmm. So um, let's move on to this picture of the T-Rex and Blue. Well, we've seen blue before. Yeah, like some cans of super. I mean, or but this is one of the new renders of blue. This is the type of render of blue that we've been seeing appearing on some of the uh, Instagram posts from other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one of the new renders that we've seen, like in front of a volcano and things along those lines. So it's close. Chris. I won't lie, man. This looks way more in line with the uh, the Lost World or Jurassic Park three Raptors. More, you know, even more than the Jurassic World Raptors, honestly. And it's funny. It is. That's just. That is the same model. That is her Jurassic World model. Yeah, I, you're it's, saying that, but I don't know why. I Maybe it's my perception of how it's looking. Maybe it's my uh, uh, preconceived oh. notions of what this movie might be. It, it's no, looking it, slimmer. It just really, it really has to, It really has to do with the rendering technique, whatever lens they rendered her with. So better, mean, though, that's all I can say. So when, when you take a photo, even in like a th- 3D rendering program, you're still looking at it through an aspect ratio and a lens and a certain depth sure. of field. So that can affect like how big her head looks like. Like the foreground will look different compared to the background in terms of sizing, depending on the type of lens. So but what affects sh- that? Is that like a director decision, or is that like well, a in this case, for DOP? in this case, it would be IOM, whomever rendered mm-hmm. this model. They chose a good pose and they chose a good lens to render her at. Do we know if Glenn is the uh, the lead again for this movie? I don't. Who? Glenn McIntosh. Oh, Glenn McIntosh. Do you? Oh. oh. You mean um, if he's the animation supervisor again? I mean, like, who who was the uh, lead for the Jurassic World ILM stuff? Who was yeah. the supervisor or whatever? Uh, well, I can... Hold on. IOM has their entire thing uploaded on their website. Um, I'll be very curious to see if the uh, the lead from Jurassic World is the lead for Jurassic World 2. From what I've seen, just based off the renders itself, Jurassic World 2 is looking way better in every aspect. Well, that's the thing, though, because Jurassic World, the promotional renders they put out were put out well before the the final models were finished. They were early models, and they were they were posed and painted in a hurry. And then Universal okay. never ordered film-accurate models. They did order them, but then they didn't follow through with the order. Is that because of the uh, delay there? 
No, no, it's just really Universal didn't want to spend the money. They decided they were happy with the crappy <laughs> renders. Um, Universal number one fans. So the IOM visual effects supervisor is David Vickery. The IOM, well, he, uh, okay. IOM animation director is um, James Rubinchek. It's uh, for Jurassic Ruben, World 2? Rubinchek, yeah. And, okay. and Glenn McIntosh. And then the IOM visual effects producer is Catherine Horton. And okay. it's IOM Studios Vancouver and London leading. Ooh, Canada. Yeah, leading the uh, Jurassic World two Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom team. And well, I'm, I'm reading this straight off of IOM's website right now. As um, a uh, as a Canadian myself, and uh, you being an American, Canadians are pretty well known of being you know pretty pretty decent people. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's the uh, visual effects supervisor, as well as the animation directors who pose the renders because you know they have to be animated. They have to be put in a pose. Right for the renders, so it's probably a mixture of those three people on the team. Um, well, they're doing a, they're doing a fantastic job, in my opinion. Then. Yeah, although they did fine with Jurassic World as well. It's just this is they, way they, better they though, dude. But they didn't get a chance to show their 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 film accurate renders for Jurassic World because Universal right. never ordered it. No, but, you're um, right. You're right. Anyhow, so long story short, that is blue. Yes, that's a Fallen Kingdom render, but I really don't think her model has changed, to be honest with I, you. But I think Chris, just, she looks so much skinnier. But there are shots in Jurassic World where she looks skinny, and then there are shots where she looks really a plump. Flat and, pump little... Uh, like, really weird. Girl. And the only thing I can think of is it's a mixture of the model looking different. Just like people photograph different from different angles. You can have a bad oh, photo. Right. So I think it's a mixture of that and using the right lens. I mean, then, if you've been following us on Twitter, you know Chris looks fantastic in pretty much 9 out of 10 photos. And if you follow me, my candidates look pretty good in, you know, maybe 6 out of 10 shots. Oh, right, okay. Chris? Yeah, yeah, you know, if if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but same idea. I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think that that's really what's going on here. However, the T-Rex to the left of her. Uh, looks that, good. Yeah, that that's a uh, new render. We didn't see that render before. Um not much to say about it. She looks good there. Um, yeah. The background's all clip arty and fun. And uh, there's a Mosasaurus on the side of the binder. I'm assuming that that's safe to say the Mosasaurus is in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, I think we're all assuming that anyhow. It'll be interesting I mean, to see how, the, how, how she comes Chris? in. That's well, cool. You know, let's, let's, let's that's the question, into the lore. Because people, you know, people love the lore stuff and, you know, stuff like that. How is the Mosasaurus still alive in the movie? Well, who's eating it? So I mean, we don't really know. Like, were there other yeah. animals living in the lagoon? Like, if Engine had like a situation where there were sharks living and breeding in the lagoon, but okay. like, I would feel like the populations would get decimated pretty quickly. In, in instantly, yeah, That's yeah. Unless they had them like, creature. unless they had them with like a crazy growth hormone, I don't know. But then again, every Jurassic movie. I mean, hell, maybe the movie opens with like a free willy type of setting where we find like. <laughs> <laughs> like a few days after Jurassic World, they go and free the Mosasaur. I honestly, honestly, man, I don't know. I'm quite curious about that myself. Right. I I'd imagine that the uh, the Mosasaur, if it's involved in any sort of scene, is probably going to happen closer towards the end of Jurassic World than it is towards the start of Jurassic World Two. If that makes any sense, you know. Uh no. <laughs> um. So wait, what? do you do you mean like on the timeline? You mean it would happen? Like closer, closer to 2015 to the events of Jurassic World rather than the majority of the events in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, that's uh, okay, what I mean. okay. Because okay, I was like, wait, you're saying it if the movie. I, I, I mean, it's going to be obviously it's going to be the start or whatever the hell, right? But it's going to be closer towards Jurassic World's timeline than the Jurassic World 2 timeline, right? 
Probably. I mean, that, that I don't know. I honestly don't know. It I makes think more it's, sense. I think it's safe to assume that if there are any Mosasaur scenes, unless they have a good reason, I guess they have to establish how she's alive, unless they just don't care. Wait, Chris, have you seen Predators uh, 2010? Yeah. You know how Lawrence Fishburne, spoiler alert, if, uh, you know how he's living on the uh, the planet there? Yeah. What if there's an uh, unknown worker feeding the Mosasaur? And then he rides the Mosasaur out of the uh, lagoon. <laughs> Free Willy, just yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we'll have anybody riding the Mosasaur, but um, let's go full out. Come on. I mean, if you told me that Engine, even though the park closed, if you told me Engine were still there running skeleton operations, like for whatever reason, I'd believe it. I mean, they're they're assets, right? They don't yeah. want them to die. They exactly. Feed them. Exactly. They'll feed them and basically keep things running at a bare minimum like that mm. could make sense to me i will have sure. to wait and see i'm really curious about that myself i really don't know yep um but yeah it's cool artwork then the other one that raptor render is one of the older raptor renders but it's got an instinct to hunt and there's like this fiery red behind the velociraptor and a helicopter behind her um I as mean, you said it kind of looks like yeah. charlie's render yeah i don't think that's anything to read into i think oh it's wait just... no wait that's uh, I have that. I have that raptor on my shirt. Remember the shirts we got from Universal? Okay. On the black shirt I wore in Philadelphia, I have that exact model on my shirt. Yeah, but not the rest of it. And so that's like not some the new... rest of it. Obviously not. Yeah, I think they're just recycling that key art because she's like sort of yeah. in like a two or three tone color format anyway. So it's like it's just it's a Velociraptor with instinct to hunt. Yeah, pretty much. Like I mean, the casual or, audience is not gonna know who that who not gonna know who that Raptor is, anyways, right? It would be kind of funny if they just pose that Raptor like the other model, and if we do a uh, like a overlay, it turns out it's okay. a new model, and maybe that's just like a wild Velociraptor, like not blue, like maybe it's just a new Raptor render. Chris, I swear to God, don't even mention wild Raptors because I'm get real sad because I want to see. Some I want to see raptors. them, and I just don't think we're seeing them. But I do. Want I know to see them that's so why bad. I'm so fucking sad. I I, um, I want to see some wild Raptors, you know. Um, Shit. By the way, uh, if you notice in some of these, um, the Jurassic World logo to indicate them in the catalog mm-hmm. is the Fallen Kingdom logo. It just doesn't say Fallen Kingdom. It just yep. says Jurassic World. I think that that's kind of cool. Um, we mentioned that in the uh, previous podcast, like how Star Wars is doing the uh, for the, the uh, Last Jedi stuff. Just yeah. In case, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a good idea. Yeah. So the most telling piece uh, of key art in, like, it's a binder that they're selling. It's really cool. Um, Fantastic. Is the uh, Escape the Island one. Which, oh, uh, we're going to go there first. Okay. okay yeah, okay. yeah. I figured that we could end on the more teasy one. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, this, is a, this is a great image. Yeah, so, um, I, uh, I'm still looking at it, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to analyze it in this, in this horrible quality, but. I know, I'm trying to find out if the images are available in the PDF at a higher resolution. Oh, no, wait, Chris, these images, we've seen these images already, though. So. That, that Rex is on the uh, nuggets. That, that the, Rex uh, was on the chicken nuggets, same with the Triceratops. <laughs> I the don't know. The is on the catalogs, yeah. I don't know if the Stegosaurus was. Those are new Stegosaurus renders, but what's yeah, really cool. Yeah, you can talk cool, about the uh, one on the left. So it says escape the island, and it's sort of gritty looking. The T-Rex is running, all the dinosaurs are running, and the volcano's behind them, and all the lava's spewing, and all the dinosaurs are running and sort of like roaring or screaming and flying away towards the uh, front of the view. And it's uh, it's pretty dark. And on the side binder, there's just like some 2D stencil art with like some weathering effects. Sort of if you yeah, if you listen to my uh, my solo episode of the in general podcast, the episode before this one, 
I had some ideas about the uh, the final shot of Nublar. Cause I mean, I think we can pretty much say that Nublar's uh, volcano is going to explode, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the key art I mean, literally. It's pretty fucking obvious. They're, they're they're literally putting it on all the early artwork of the volcano yeah. erupting. So yeah, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see some lava uh, flow even in the trailer. Like I don't think they're gonna try to. I don't think they're gonna try to be like, will it erupt? I think they're gonna be like, this volcano yeah, it's gonna is erupt. Like I think the eruption isn't the climax. I think it's a no, thing that no, happens. No, no, no. I think it's a thing that happens during like a good majority of the run of the movie. Like I think whatever's going on, I think the eruption is part of the events that are playing into everything. But Chris, what makes uh, what makes our human characters want to save these dinosaurs, though? Well, I mean, like, why save them? Why? Why we not? We have all the DNA. Well, if dinosaurs aren't allowed to be cloned anymore, but also it really mm. comes down to ethics. That's like saying that's like saying we have DNA for animals on the Galapagos Islands, and then it turns out they're gonna be firebombed. And it's like, yeah, we don't need to save those individual animals. We'll just clone them eventually. It's like, no, it's, so saving, different, it's saving their individual lives. And it's a certain response. And Colin has told us why. Why? With mankind's responsibility to their creations. The creations that have killed so many humans. A- animal rights. Animal, it doesn't, do you no, say, but, but, do you no, say but that No, but Hoskins, Hoskins and Ludlow, they've, I'm on their side. I'm, am I a bad guy for saying if, you know, if we've created the animals, they have no rights. Yeah, that is... Why? I'm on, I'm on Hoskins and Ludlow's side. They, they are, created them. That doesn't matter. They're still living animals. Can you really Yeah, but own... we made them. They're not but, really animals. But they are. They're a living creature. Anything with nah. a living creature with feelings, uh, emotion, with brain activity, it, it, it you know whether or not you want to call it a soul or just life, you have a certain responsibility to ethically ethically care for that. You know, you just... But they don't have rights. We've made them. Like if I like like we've made an iPhone or an iPad. If I destroy my iPhone or iPad, I don't care, you know. What 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 do you mean? An iPad, an iPhone isn't sentient. It isn't. It yeah, isn't an animal. It isn't living, breathing. It's a piece it's of. Not, this basic is not like technology. a dog, man. It's not like a dog where, where we, we didn't create dogs. Dogs were around before, but these know. things died we, away. We created dogs from wolves. No, that's that's breeding. That's just like selective breeding. Dogs didn't go away though. Like dinosaurs died off. I'm and not then we saying brought them back. I'm not saying that bringing them back is smart. I'm but saying they're, they're living animals. I mean, no, but what we've brought back is a technology, though. In my opinion, they're they, not animals. They're, they, they're they technology. Feel, they, they, no, they're not. There's technology that went into them. They are animals. I that's don't like, think so. Man. That's like saying I've never thought that's this. like saying when people clone their dogs, which people do, that those clone dogs aren't really an, aren't a real dog. That's different still. Though, How? Chris. These How? Aren't dinosaurs. These are it doesn't like matter. Genetic hybrids. They're like they're, they're an animal. Manufactured. They, it doesn't matter how you made them. All the only thing that matters is the end result. You have a living creature that no, thinks, man. that feels, that breathes, that feels well, Chris, pain, that they feels were literally, hunger. They were created on a on a manufacturing line. It, but they're not robots. You're you're looking at they're them as animals. robots. They're not. They're the, not like they're, sure, they they're raised in artificial. Well, okay, okay. Stop right there. What about the second? Ge- <laughs> what about the second generation? The ones that are breeding in the wild? They are no longer created by humans. These animals, these man-created well, Chris, animals, they're not, created. They're not dinosaurs, life. though. We still made them. They are dinosaurs. They're or progeny of say, something we've created. Ownership doesn't entitle. When you own something, that doesn't mean you can necessarily do what you want to it. See, this is o- ownership see, Chris, comes with restriction, and owner stri- ownership comes with. A certain level of ethical responsibility and no matter what you own 
there are certain things there are things that you own right now but it doesn't mean you can do anything you want to it or anything you want with it sure why not if we've created the animal all right if they're if they're literally a patented organism like they belong to this one company we can do whatever we want it's their technology all right so let's say i own a real small settlement of land mile square of land but i own it i own my okay, mile square yeah, of land sure, sure. in the suburbs I create my own Gatling gun, and I decide I want to shoot it on my land. So I build my own target range, and I go nuts with it. Of course, the neighbors are terrified because I've got a freaking Gatling gun, and they have no idea. But your land, though, you can do whatever you want. But what happens when that bullet suddenly passes through my target that I didn't possibly Ah. handle well enough, and it smacks someone behind it? Did I really have the... Was that really within my rights to... Do what I want. Just because I own something, just because I created it, doesn't necessarily mean I can do what I want to it. There are certain there are certain governing rules and laws and relationships that we kind of adhere to. And if you don't, if you're saying you created an animal, Mm -hmm. if you're saying you created an animal and it no longer has any rights, then you're saying no animals have rights. It doesn't matter how that animal came to being. If that animal, if that animal feels pain, if it makes its own decisions, if it's its own living creature, doesn't matter if it's a real animal or a man created animal. I mean, do you think that um, tiger muskies? Do you think that tiger muskies should not um? Are those extinct? No, they're not. They're they're alive, but they're a man created hybrid of a fish. Well, this. Chris, uh, dinosaurs are a very different situation, my friend. They're not, this though. Is, They're an no, animal. Listen, They're an listen, animal. Man. That doesn't no, no, matter. No, no. I'm not saying that they should be legal to be created. No, I'm saying, I, I'm not I'm saying, saying why it's smart them? to save them. Why I'm not save saying them? it's smart it's, to it's, save it's them. It's an issue. But it's they're, ethic. They're an issue. They've killed people. Let them die off on the island. They don't belong in this ecosystem anyways. I, I agree that they don't. I don't. I agree that they don't belong in the ecosystem. I agree that bringing them back was a bad idea. I agree that they would wreak havoc on the ecosystem. Exactly. I don't and agree. if InGen has the right to the animals, let them die. I don't necessarily what agree right do you that have InGen... To them? I don't... I didn't say that I have the right to save them, but I'm, I'm maybe... I'm whoever, whoever wants to save them. What the, right ethical respons- save them? the ethical responsibility. I Isn't don't that the truth? They're not, they're not real animals. But they are. You, what, they're not, though. They're what monsters. What is your definition? But they're not monsters. Alan Grant literally... they're monsters. Alan Grant's a fucking idiot. Um, How dare you? <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 has horrible writing. Um, How dare you? Uh, no, really what it comes down to is JP3 has horrible writing and is antithetical to the whole Jurassic Park franchise. But Chris, but do you nonetheless, not that doesn't that matter. Chris... I'm saying, I wouldn't say, okay, if you told me I learned everything I knew about dinosaurs from the dinosaurs of Jurassic Park, pretending Jurassic Park was real, I would, say, I would say you really didn't learn about dinosaurs. You learned about modern recreations of dinosaurs they're essentially cousins of dinosaurs you can learn a lot about them but that t-rex you got to look at it as a cousin is an alternate species of t-rex that velociraptor you got to look at it as an alternate species of velociraptor because the situation in which they were created created them in a different they're mainly just like genetic aberrations that actually occur in nature you know you have dinonychus velociraptor utah raptor etc dromaeosaurus pyroraptor etc etc you have all uh-huh. these different forms of raptors. Jurassic Park Velociraptor is just another version of that. Now, was it custom crafted, possibly? 100%. Like, sure. Jurassic World says so, at least. Woo, yeah, Wu says that. Yeah. Um, and that's canon. But that doesn't mean that it's not an animal. Now, does that mean it's not a real Velociraptor? Absolutely. Does that mean it's not a real animal? No. Those are two very different. Those are two very different lines of logic there that are kind of dictating that. You can say you can say it's not a real monster. It's not a. What's a monster? 
Well, is, it's is not a liger, Is a liger a monster? Yes. Well, that, that's different. That's not a. That's not a humanly. It's not a human-made is, animal. It's a genetic hybrid based off nature. Is um, but humans, humans made that happen. Um, okay, but that that's still possible. Dinosaurs, they haven't like they can't happen. You know, like but, if like I. I <laughs> Yeah, this, you don't, we you don't really say right? I love the fact that we still have one more um, piece of artwork to talk no, about. But it doesn't matter. Keep this going. This is fantastic. No, um, but no, but really, what it comes down to, I, it doesn't matter how life was created. If it's life, it's life. Do you own? Mm, do you have more okay. ownership over an animal you created in a test lab or bred in a test lab? Sure. Absolutely, you absolutely do have a certain more. Now, ethically, do you have? Is there an ethical maybe breach of conduct there? Yeah, but is it still within your rights to maybe, you know, you can't just go to a wild herd of deer and say, well, I just grabbed this deer, it is now mine, I brought it to a lab and I'm going to do what I want to it. No, 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 no. no but no, if, you actually, if you actually legally purchased a deer and you bred it for, you know, you follow the things, yes, then you have a certain level of ownership. But would you say that that company was, in, was within their ethical rights to do whatever they wanted to? If they wanted to keep that animal alive and flay a piece of skin off of it, keep it in shackles and flay a small piece of skin off of it every day for an entire year until the animal had no original skin left. And then afterwards they decide, okay, now let's cut off these limbs slowly, but just ever so slowly so the animal doesn't bleed out. It keeps it alive in a constant state of pain. Does that company have the rights to do that? Absolutely. If they create they the do, animal, they do Dude, what dinosaurs if, have died. They're gone. There's okay. no more dinosaurs. Let me let me but take this InGen level. brought them what, back. Whatever InGen wants to do with the dinosaurs, it's allowed. It's absolutely no not. What. They have ownership over it, and I I, I I I totally totally understand that InGen has a certain level. I'm not saying that InGen shouldn't be allowed to say, you know what, this volcano is going to erupt. Let's just let it be done with. I yeah, I'm, why not? But I understand that. I I I'm torn. Like if something like that were real. I would feel the need to save the animals, and I would also feel the need to say these animals should have never been created, and they pose a huge threat to the ecosystem. So what do you Chris, do? I think what do just, you do? I think we just cracked Jurassic World too, though. You're, I think you're we just in, cracked it. You're in a moral dilemma. You feel no. they're they're living animals. They're living animals that deserve to live and breathe. They didn't choose to come into this world, but they are here. Chris, they are we here. They, it out. they didn't literally... choose. They didn't Chris, choose to be made. Listen to me, man. Listen to me. I think we fucking figured out Jurassic World too. I think we literally have. Like, there's two opposing points, right? The guys who want, who feel obliged to save the dinosaurs, like Owen, right? The InGen employee who wants to save the dinosaurs. And we have Ian Malcolm, who says, fuck it, let them die, right? I think this is the crux of the entire story. I think it is. I, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do imagine so. And, like, that's the thing. Like, uh, on a logical level, I agree it's with Malcolm. I agree with Malcolm. On an, emotion, on an emotional level, though, I, I believe... You agree with Owen. I, I, I assuming yeah I mean Owen's totally gonna be saving the dinosaurs of course um, yeah yeah and on an emotional level I do and I do agree I think there's a gray area I think it's like letting the, creating these animals was a stupid decision um, 100% and bringing them to the mainland is a horrible decision yet necessarily condemning them to a horrible death when they didn't choose to be created isn't necessarily right ethically it's not right Maybe okay. maybe it's the only logical thing to do because the repercussions are the smallest, but isn't that necessarily a responsibility is to live with your mistakes and then deal – you have to ethically – you know, maybe an ethical code was breached by bringing these animals back to life, but it was breached 
And at that point, don't you have to deal with the situation that you're in um, and find a way maybe to sterilize each of the dinosaurs, make sure they never breed, make sure they're given a happy, healthy life to live out till they die of old age. Well, it's not wanted, right? Or are euthanized humanely. Um, I mean, this is... This is, I mean, because if you have a volcanic eruption, what's going to kill them? Most of them it wouldn't be the lava. It would be the smoke. It would be the fumes. It would be the Chris. Heat. Is that not nature's rebelling against what we've created? It that's that it is nature rebelling against the the monsters we've made. It is, but imagine what if now now what if we say, hey, it turns out we're the reason why that volcano is erupting. Also, but Chris, that's not. And how I it don't works, know. Man. I don't know if that's actually a plot line. That's just me hoping that there's a reason why the volcano is conveniently erupting after the park closed. Well, Chris, this was a fantastic discussion. I think it was fantastic. But, I mean, and I think another way, I think that you would change your tone a little bit. Um, cavemen, Neanderthals, Cro-Magnons. <laughs> no, okay. I'm serious. I'm serious. Okay, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. They're, they're, they are DNA, their DNA is unique from ours, but yet they were very man. You know, they're very much. I, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to uh, to fight you on this. They're very. Know. You know, they're different. But they're our ancestors, and they're very similar to us in a lot of ways. They're extinct. What if we were to clone them? Now, they are intelligent well, we creatures. Own them, then. They, so we could do whatever you want. You have a little Cro-Magnon child or a I little Neanderthal so. child. But you know what? You can slowly remove their spinal column day by day because we own them. You could do whatever I, you want. I, they, they have I the cognizant ability of... They have the cognizant ability, uh, well, a lot more than a chimp, a lot more than a gorilla, but Chris, a lot more so than different. a dog. different. That's literally our ancestor. We it, came from them. That's so different than a dinosaur. It, it, nothing. They're animals. It's either the animals or they're no, not. No, but they're, they're, they're our animals. They're, it doesn't matter if them. they're it's, But that doesn't matter. That's so that much different than a dinosaur, matter. man. If you're going to say, if you're going to say created life has no rights or isn't real, then it goes across the board. Otherwise, it just comes down to empathy. You've got to emp- you. It's natural. It's easier to empathize with things that are more similar to you. But yes, he says not empathy. But you should be able to empathize with you know whatever. And I think that ultimately, it's either human created humans in a lab have no rights, or everything created in a lab has rights. That doesn't necessarily mean they have the same rights. I'm not saying that ethically that's right, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have the same rights. But that means that there is a certain ethical responsibility to treat life as life and and i'm not that saying... is the point of this movie i think that's the point of the movie yeah i, I mean we don't know shit but that's, that's what i think because it's gonna be you know owen claire and all those fun guys versus literally malcolm because malcolm has seen why these things shouldn't exist oh and logically i totally agree with malcolm if you had a breeding population of dinosaurs you can't have that, that happen that infiltrated ecosystems yeah it could it you could, have to have them die the effects would be horrible i, I totally said it in that. the first movie nature selected them for extinction yes now the problem is though is now they've been on this world for uh 25 plus years living yeah. bre- breathing eating breeding but Chris, guess what? Nature has selected them again for extinction with the with the Nublar uh, volcano. Well, I don't know. And now we're intervening. We can't we can't just intervene. That's not our place to intervene with nature. That's the entire point of this movie, I think. I, but when you have the ability to intervene with nature, especially when doesn't mean you should though. But but we're the only reason why they're shackled to Isla Nublar as well. 
But the only reason they, they exist when they shouldn't they're, they're, exist anyways. But their shackles exist. Their their shackles, their prison only exists because of us as well. So but yes, Chris, they're back into life. Nature nature killed them but off. If they in were the first truly place. if they were truly given a chance of fair shake at life again, they wouldn't be shackled to one island. So once again that comes down to the ethical dilemma. No, but there's this, two this, islands though. This isn't that they're in the wild and it turns out that their breeding population isn't strong enough. Uh, that you know they're having stillborn eggs. You know the eggs aren't fertilized, so it's just they die out naturally. You know that I would say let let it play its course. Um, this isn't an ethical and clean euthanization of the animals, which again is pretty pretty dark. But I think if you wanted to talk about eradicating the dinosaurs, I think that that would be the um, the most humane way to handle it. This is a uh, you know really. Uh, imprisoning these animals on a small island that is just going to become hell on earth uh that that's especially after you created them you 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 raised them and now you've abandoned them i i I don't think you have that uh ethical right to just abandon them when the going gets tough well i mean this has probably been our best ever discussion conversation slash debate slash argument on this entire podcast (laughs) I think we should end this uh, this debate by going on to our next uh, our final, our final <laughs> so um, that wow this really went off this really this went off man no um, Chris this is fantastic though I mean this is the point of the movie though it has to be so yeah no I, I'm there with you thank you so our final image is another one of the binders and uh, do you want to say what I think, what you think it is? Because I, yep. we, we both Human totally... dinosaur dog. Die who that, dog. That, that was not what I was going to say. Sales script. That was not what I was going to say. I was going to say it seems to be the Indoraptor. You oh, have, sure. You have this picture of this claw, the sort of raptor-like hand, but with this a small, with a small fourth digit. Um, like oh, the Indominus Rex, before the like the Indominus Rex, where it's like a small sort of like thumb-like di- digit. <laughs> And um, then you have the eye behind it. It's all in red. And there, it's like it's in a cage, and its hands reach right. out of the cage. And on the side, there looks to be all this, like, genetic information. It kind of reminds me of the data spreadsheets from, like, Jurassic World, where, like, they have all the DNA information. So this is definitely the Indoraptor. It's a tease. All you see is a hand and an eye. And that definitely Chris. goes along with it, because all the other dinosaurs are front and center, and this one's hidden from you. Chris, you're wrong. No, I, I, what, I'm wrong? It's not an Indoraptor? No. There's, there's just literally no way they're going with human hybrids. Did, did you listen to our own? Did you listen to our podcast with Colin Trevorrow? No, I didn't. But think back. To... Because he totally is like, yeah, that stuff's not for me. No, no. But think back. This is not his franchise. It's Steven Spielberg's. Not anymore. Steven Spielberg gets final approval, but he's not the one pushing the ideas anymore. Don't forget. Don't forget. not happening thank god it's not happening but anyway so this is really exciting because this is our first tease at the indoraptor um aside from the uh the twitter images yeah but it's it totally fits in line with it because it's like a tease you know it's like oh yeah this is a proper tease like we don't know what the hell we don't know what that is it's like a creepy hand or creepy eye exactly i mean we have a name but that still doesn't really we can extrapolate from the name what we think it is but we really don't know what the name what it really is on the side of it there's a really unique looking dinosaur head uh, Ryan and I were talking about it. How it sort of looks like a, uh, like a, a monitor lizard or a, uh, 
eel. I can't tell if it's the Mosasaur face or if it's something else. It almost looks like Carcharodontosaurus like. Um, you mean the you mean that little uh, bad guy from Operation Genesis, the one that killed the Spinosaurus and all the other T Rexes and stuff? I don't even remember that from the game, but yeah, I know that it was in the yeah, game. Yeah, he's a yellow, the yellow. Yeah, bastard. yeah, it kind of yeah. has that head shape, doesn't it? Or maybe it's the Indoraptor's head. I don't know, but do you see that I on the not. left? It's if it is Indoraptor's head, it's very different because it doesn't look like a raptor and it doesn't look like an Indominus. It Rock. looks like a. It looks like a. Yeah, like you said, like an eel, like a, yeah. like a lame, maybe a mosasaur even. Yeah, but the more I look at it, the thing that I think is its eye. I'm not sure. Behind it might be its eye, and if that's the case, it's sort of got a sloping head. Ryan also suggested that maybe it's like something like a Metriacanthosaurus, which we speculated might be in the movie, considering it's part of the uh, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World maps. It's been on the species list, we've just never seen it. And that sort of fits the face profile of what I could see a Jurassic Park interpretation looking like. I mean, like. that's pretty random, though, isn't it, though? Yeah, on the why, side why of the... Why would you include that would, on this one? On the Indoraptor one? I don't know, but yeah, then why? again, the T-Rex binder has a Mosasaur on the side of it, so I don't know. I mean, like... I don't know, man. I don't know what to say other than, you know, die of dogs. But it's okay, don't worry about it. But, uh... Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really excited by all this artwork. Uh, I really want to see that trailer in November. But um, one other exciting bit while we close this off, and it is time to close this off. We ran longer than we expected. I mean, we, we had to after that debate. <laughs> yeah, um, is uh, this Saturday uh, at, I believe, uh, 5 p.m. in the U.K. time, which should be uh, 12 p.m. EST. Uh, Frontier Developments has Frontier Fest. Mm -hmm. And they are showing off, they have a panel for Jurassic World Evolution. I believe it's an hour long, and it is going to have the first in-game footage and first in-game details and pictures of Jurassic World Evolution. Like, it's the real reveal of the game. We had the CG trailer tease, but now we're revealing what, they're revealing what the game is. And that's literally in, like, what, three days? It's going to be, it's going to be a, a, you know... I mean, it's going to be big. Hopefully not emergency podcast already, because, you know, but still. Well, oh, it should be Jack and I were talking about this. Uh, Oh, no. Jack and I were talking about this. We'll probably have a podcast coming out shortly after this podcast for Jurassic World Evolution. I'll add that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah, it's exciting times. You'll probably be hearing from us soon, and that should be a lot to talk about, a lot to ingest. Uh, And we're hopeful that maybe it'll include a Fallen Kingdom tease. I just want to see the Stick of Moloch. So that's sort of what I'm hopeful for. Chris, I have a question for you. Sure. Before we wrap this, uh, this this excellent episode off, what is one classic dinosaur from the novels that you think we'll see in the movie? Like, like based off your expert opinion or even just hopeful speculation. I mean, I think the biggest dinosaur that was in the... Uh novels that didn't get featured like the biggest like most impactful dinosaur those in the novels that didn't get featured in the movies yet would be the Carnotaurus see I like the way you're thinking but why have the Carnotaurus when we had the best feature of the Carnotaurus in was the Indominus? on the Indominus Rex yeah no I mean I understand yeah they would really have to um if they included the Carnotaurus they would really have to go to the real Carnotaurus and see what makes it unique um which is like sort of these really, really long legs, a really long neck, a weird face, the smallest little arms. I mean, it would be a lean, fast, large, sort of like medium-sized dinosaur. And I like the idea of it maybe hunting in a pair. 
not like mm-hmm. a pack, but like two of them, like they did, oh, sure. in, like they did in the novel. So maybe if they made them like super fast, like medium sized ambush animals, that sure. could be interesting. Like it would be a different. Yeah, they took the camouflage and put it on the Indominus Rex, but at the very least, these medium ambush animals that are super fast would be something very unique that we haven't seen a Jurassic Park dinosaur do. So it could fill a unique role, if that makes sense. I mean, sense. if J.A. can do wild raptors for us, at least I hope. Do, uh, you know, a cheeky a pair of Carnotauruses for us, you know? I, you know, I have no idea. I'm hopeful. Okay, Chris, one, one more question before we wrap this up. In, uh, can you give us any sort of spoiler or uh, reveal for us? Anything to uh, any any hint or anything for Jurassic World Two? Uh, can you give us anything to uh, chew on or even? Uh... I feel like we got a lot to chew on from those. Uh, no, images. no, 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 no. From right now, for anyone who it's, it's a gift for anyone who survived past episodes <laughs> to the end. Uh, can you give anyone anything? No, I can't. <laughs> I asking um, you. I don't. A little, a little cheeky hint for the for, for next episode. A little, little, you know, little tease to you know stick around. Uh, a thank you, know, you to hang around. A th- a thank you. Uh, there's a stig and Moloch in the movie, but I think no, nope, no, nope, doesn't count. <laughs> I think, I think we all know something that. Else, something else. Something else. Come on. I I have a few favorite dinosaurs, and um, I do have a few favorite dinosaurs. I, I talk about one more often than the others, but I, I've got Uh-oh. quite a few of them. I've got about three, Uh-oh. three Uh-oh. favorite dinosaurs, and one of them, at least one of them, supposedly might be in Fallen Kingdom. Well, there we go. Thank you, Chris. It's been good talking to you, buddy. All right. <laughs> but that's supposedly. So, anyways, that was podcast episode. Oh, hell if I know. Uh, thanks for listening, and don't forget to uh, you know like us on iTunes, comment on iTunes, uh, rate us. That's that's the word I'm looking for, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube subscribe and also and the iTunes, aud- subscribe in the Audacity free trial. Do not miss out on it because it helps oh. us out and it's great for you. So keep it going. Audible, Aud- audible. audible. That audible. that's the word I'm looking for. Hey, like I said, I've got mono, so I'm out of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, and until next time, which should be very soon.